to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So, let's live our best lives, one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. Hi, everybody. We are so glad you're here today. Welcome to Episode 40 of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing pretty well today. That's good. Anything new going on? Oh, gosh. Well, the saga of my husband's life is oh, he has now torn his biceps tendon and is going to have to have surgery. Oh, he can't catch a break. He cannot. In fact, when they, they so he just started this new job a couple of weeks ago and his new boss called me. Well, I thought it was my husband calling me because it was from his phone. And I answered it and I hear, Sherry, I need you to come up here and pick up Eric and take him to the hospital. Oh my God. And I said, now, that guy should be listening to the rest of our episode because that was not a no. good communicator oh, right better. there. I said, what? And he said, don't worry, he's alive. <laughs> and then, of course, I was very worried. Right. I know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is going on? And then he told me, and I'm like, okay, all right, breathe. So I went, picked him up, took him to the hospital, and we are waiting to get in to see a surgeon so he can get this fixed. Now, if you guys remember our listeners from early in our earlier podcast, my husband had neck surgery last winter. Mm-hmm. He went back to work after he recovered from that, and he promptly broke his foot. <laughs> then he hit a second deer, ended back up in the ER because his neck was hurting again. And now we have done this. So, oh gosh, I've told my husband, do not pick up gambling. Do not go to a <laughs> casino. Right. Like, <laughs> you have absolutely zero luck. Bless his heart. <laughs> well, poor Eric. Is he in pain? He was the first few days. He's doing better now. He can somewhat use the arm. He just has absolutely no strength. He can't like even turn a doorknob. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well. I hope that he gets that taken care of quickly. And like all good wives, I said, well, you're going to have to start using that bidet I had you put in during the toilet paper crisis because I'm not helping you there. (laughs) 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 And he always swore he would never use it, but he's using it. There you go. So there's a good reason to have a bidet. When when you lose function, Uh you just don't even realize like when I sneezed the day before Thanksgiving and threw my back out while I was unloading the dishwasher, just a little bit, and it was not out for very long. Just little things you can't do. You're like, ooh, yeah. You don't even think about it when, when you're pain free. I you don't broke even think about my right hand probably 12 years ago, pretty bad in several places, and had a cast on and then a splint on for like a year. And I have to use a mouse a lot at work. You know, I do a lot of computer work. And I had to learn to mouse with my left hand, which, like, 
try it sometime. It's I not easy. Hard. <laughs> Chad's got some crazy mouse at his office where he's having to move offices. They've built a new building on the other campus here, the way our university is set up. So he's having to move to a whole new campus. And I was helping him set up his computer in the new office the other day. And he's got one of those ergonomic oh, mm-hmm. mice. Yes. I, I was like, what? I, I can't even put my hand on it. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> no. <laughs> he can use it, but I cannot. Yeah, I told my husband, I'm like, well, I guess you're going to get used to using that left arm now, and you're going to create new neural pathways in your brain by using your non-dominant hand. I so. guess. Yeah. <laughs> we can adapt. Yes. We have a form that is available in the About section of the Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry Facebook group. And if you, and you don't even have to be a member of the group, but we would love you for to be a member of the group because it's fun and super informative. But anyways, there's there's a form there you can click. And on that form, you can contribute good news stories, customer service shout outs, listener-led lessons, or your favorite quotes, poems, or mantras. So today's customer service shout out actually came from that form. And it comes from Kim Rains in Oregon. And she wrote, I would like to give a big shout out to Bronco Nissan in Nampa, Idaho. My husband and I were traveling from Seattle, Washington to pick up our new puppy in Idaho Falls. And I have seen her new puppy because she shared it and it's so cute. Partway through Eastern Oregon, we realized our AC wasn't working and it was 101 degrees outside and then high temps were expected throughout the rest of our drive. We were spending the night in Nampa. So I found Bronco Nissan on a Sunday night, and my husband was there as soon as they opened Monday morning. They got us right in, diagnosed the problem, and we were fixed by 11.30 a.m. so that we could be on our way as we still had four and a half hours to drive to get to Idaho Falls. I could not imagine having to drive the rest of the way there and home without the air conditioning as temps was in the 90s to 100s that week. So thank you, Bronco Nissan. Yeah, that's awesome that they could fit you in. Yeah, air conditioner. Yeah, that is so great that they worked them in. So many times you go to a place and ask to be worked in for something Mm -hmm. important, and they're like, well, we could see you in four days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I grew up in the mountains of Virginia, and my first car, I bought it, didn't have air conditioning, and we just rolled down the windows, and in the summer, it would be like the 80s maybe, but it was fine. Then I moved with that car down here to Augusta, Mm -hmm. that same car. I'm like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) this is different. (laughs) I hope it didn't have vinyl seats. I'm pretty sure it probably did. It was like a bare bones <laughs> car. It didn't even have a radio. It was like you had to roll the windows down oh. manually, but it didn't even come with a radio. That's how bare bones that car was. Wow. Was, yeah. The 1988 Chevy Spectrum. I still remember it. It was my very first wow. car. I bought it myself. Yeah. I can't believe it didn't come with a radio. It did not come with a radio. No, it was like, you know, that advertised cheapest car special that they have. And uh-huh. They have like one of them. That's the one I bought. I was so proud of that car. And I it was bought a stick one shift. of those. I didn't know how to drive a stick shift. I drove off the lot with it, and I didn't know how to drive a stick shift. But I could afford it. So anyway, such a great moment. That's so funny. Yeah. So listeners, we need your stories. 
Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com or go to the Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry Facebook group. Go to the About section. You don't even have to be a member to click on it, but you know you're going to want to be a member if you're on Facebook. Of course, I'm not on Facebook, so (laughs) join the group and click on it if you are. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service or give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. Now, before we get to the life lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. And I am going to talk about Beauty Counter again, because I love them so much. Sherry, have I told you about the new mascara? Did I mention it? You told me you got it. You told me you loved it. And I missed the little time window where consultants could could order it. Mm. But today it went live. Can you see my eyes? I can. They look great. You know, this is the best mascara I've ever used in my life. It's called Think Big. It's their new mascara. And, you know, I love Beauty Counter because I care very much about the mission. And, you know, when I was writing Cleanish, I started really understanding that their never list of things that will never be in any of their products is really important. You know, we really need to make sure we're not adding to our body burden. And so using Beauty Counter is one of those set it and forget it kind of things I can do. I don't even have to think about it. But I didn't love their mascara. Mm -hmm. I was using a different brand of mascara, everything else Beauty Counter, except for their mascara. So when this one came out, I was like, well, I'm going to try it. And I did. And it is, it's like wildly exceeds my expectations. And I just watched a training video on it yesterday from... One of their trainers. Uh huh. Yeah, like a behind the counter type thing that we Well, here's how hard it is to use. You just go bloop, bloop, bloop. There it is. She put it on while doing a Zoom video conference. It was like a live conference that I watched later. She put it on one eye while she was on the conference. And then she just talked about the different features of it and what it doesn't have in it and doesn't have any silicones in it. And some of the lengthening mascaras do. I was really impressed with the formula and how easy it went on, how great it goes on. Great. I mean, it goes on, it doesn't clump, it just goes right on. Your lashes look thick and long. It's amazing. So, that is my new mascara forever. And I'm so excited that they came out with something that was amazing. Because, really, even like the grocery store ones that are thick and right, this one goes on better than anything I've ever tried before. So, good. You can find Beauty Counter. It helps us support the podcast. You can go to jenstevens.com slash beautycounter or beautycounter.com slash jenstevens. Either one of those will take you right there. And now it's time for our life lesson of the week. Today, we are going to explore how you can improve your interpersonal communication skills in order to enhance your personal and professional relationships. You might wonder, why is communication so important? Well, I recently read an article that said when 100 mental health experts were polled on factors that led to divorce, an overwhelming 65% of them said that an inability to effectively communicate was one of the primary causes. 70% of men polled said that nagging and complaining were their biggest complaints about communication style, while 80% of women said that they didn't feel that their feelings and opinions were validated. On the flip side, when asked the secrets of a long-lasting relationship, The ability to argue in a constructive and healthy manner was a key component to a healthy marriage. Relationships with our significant others are just one area in which communication is key. We also need strong communication skills in our careers, our daily lives, whether it be dealing with our kids' schools, extracurriculars, or even coordinating care with a doctor's office or hospital. 
Today, we are joined by Kelly Finley, a professor of communication studies. She is with us today to talk about her personal area of expertise, an area in which we all can improve. And I feel really fortunate that she has agreed to meet with us today for the benefit of our community. Welcome, Kelly. Hello. I'm so glad to be here. Well, we're really glad to have you. That part, Sherry, that you just read about effective communication is so important in a marriage. You're right. Yep. It's not just marriage. I mean, I found all sorts of facts, but I feel like we need to spend our time getting into the nitty gritty of how do we improve yeah. our communication? Really with whoever you're communicating with frequently. Exactly. Which happens, for me, it happens to be Chad all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I always tell my students, you're going to hear a lot of stories about my husband and my family because who do you communicate on a daily basis with? And that's who you're living with. So my students get to know my family and our strong a lot, but I feel like it's helpful when you tell your students like, hey, I am an expert in communication. My husband has a degree in communication and we argued this morning about the coffee pot, you know, or whatever. So communication is definitely a key role in our lives all the time. Absolutely. Yes. So just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and really everything. Like where did you come from? How did you choose communication as an area of interest? And what have you learned? Yeah, absolutely. So I am from West Texas. I grew up on a farm right on the Texas, New Mexico state line. And so if you hear that Texas accent, I apologize. I've worked hard to get rid of it, but I don't know that I ever will unless I move away. My dad was a farmer. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. And when I graduated from high school, I really had no clue what I needed to do with my life. My parents, they were very just nonchalant about it. Like you can go to college, you can get a job. And I was like, okay, well, a job doesn't sound fun. I don't really even know what job I would get. And I'm good at school, so I'll just go to college. And so I actually went to our local community college. And there I had a professor who was from Florida. And she asked me, what are you going to do with your life? And I said, I'm going to get married and have babies. Because that's what my mom did. And that's what I thought I wanted to do. And she said, yeah, but what else? And I was like, I don't. I don't know what else. <laughs> like, I didn't really have a plan. I was just going to school. I was getting credits. I enjoyed school. It was fun. And she said, well, what if you got a degree in communication? And I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and she said, well, you know, she kind of explained it. And I was like, sounds like you're telling me I can get a degree in talking, which I'm there for. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can talk, right? I, I'm okay at math. I'm okay at science. I'm okay at English. Like, there was nothing that just stood out that I was like, this is amazing. And it's my passion. I thought, well, communication would be good, right? So I graduated from community college. I went to university and started my degree there. And when I was a senior, I was in this class. It was a communication class for educators. I was taking it as an elective. I just looked around the room and everyone was so confused by our professor. And she knows more about communication than I probably ever will, has probably forgotten, you know, more than I'll ever know. But she sometimes was not a good communicator. Right. And these kids were super confused. And I thought, I could do this and I could do it really well, I think. I think I want to be a professor of communication. My senior year is when I decided what I might do with my life. So I finished university, went on and got my master's, and then I taught for a while in middle school and high school. 
because I actually didn't finish my thesis. I got married and then I got pregnant. And so (laughs) I was working towards finishing my thesis all while that was happening. So I was just teaching in middle school and high school, which I loved. I I love teaching no matter what. Well, teaching is communication. You it know? is. It I taught for 28 is. years. And when you said you wanted to get a degree in talking, I was like, well, that's what I got, too. <laughs> and, you know, all those teachers that I had when I was in school who said, you know, <laughs> you talk too much. Who's the joke on now? Right. Exactly. <laughs> now you're doing it for a living, right? Right. Making tons yeah. of money. So yeah. <laughs> the community college that I went to, a job opened up and I was fortunate enough to get it. And so I've been doing that for the last 10 years. But communication is just so interesting because it's a part of every single part of our life is communication. And yet we can be really bad at communicating with one another. And so it's just such a fascinating topic. And there's so many aspects to it. What do you do if you find yourself in relationship with someone who is not a good communicator, but you find yourself to be a good communicator? It's very (laughs) difficult. I mean, that is a legitimate question. Yeah. Because I've been there. And more importantly, I think outside of a relationship, but like in work, when you have to work with someone that is a terrible communicator, especially if they're your boss, like how do you get Mm -hmm. that communication moving forward? And part of it is sticking it out a little bit, faking it till you make it. I know a lot of people hate that saying, but in communication, it is, it's imperative because sometimes you don't know how to communicate with someone else. And so, you know, once you kind of establish a relationship and bring that relationship a little bit further where you get to kind of know that person and then you know their oddities or idiosyncrasies with their communication, it makes it so much easier. Now, with someone you're in a relationship with, it depends on how much you want to work for that relationship. Right. That's that's a good point. (laughs) And it's funny. The thing about communication is you can absolutely be saying one thing, but the person who is receiving it is hearing a complete different message than you are relaying. I can think of one time I was in my boss's office and I was like, I have this concern and this is what's happening and that's not really what should be happening. And I explained the situation like in detail what the concern was. And she picks up the phone and she calls this physician and she said, you know, my employee is saying blah, 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 blah. Is that what you want? And I'm sitting there looking at her like, that is not what I said. That was not the point that I just made to you. And she got off the phone and she's like, are you happy now? And I'm like, no, no, I'm not happy because you didn't hear a word that I told you. I said, you thought you heard what I said. And then you totally convoluted that message. And what you relayed and the the answer you got for me does not answer the question I came into your office with. And we went round and round and round for an hour. And I could never get through to her. And I finally was just like, I, never mind. I just, <laughs> I, just never mind. I give up. Yes. Oh, but that- like that just sticks with me. I mean, this was five years ago. And this still sticks with me today that I never got that problem solved. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> that is such a normal thing, though. And I think people think... Well, if I was just better at communicating, this would be easier. But the thing is, communication has so many different aspects. If you look at the communication process, it's a circle. It's cyclical. So there's not really a beginning and an end. It's It kind of just goes in this circle. And then you have all these things connected to the communication process that keep it from being clear. One is internal, external noise, right? Mm-hmm. So how well am I listening? Am I thinking about how hungry I am or what's going on or what I got to do later? What's outside of me? So is there anything outside of me keeping me from paying attention? Normally in my house, it's a child screaming or yelling or running around, right? There's always external noise. 
beyond that, your environment. So we kind of talked about this earlier, whether you're a morning person or a night person, that affects your communication. I'm not a morning person. My husband's not a morning person. So if it's before 6 a.m., we don't really talk to one another because I can't (laughs) control my tone and I just act. I mean, I sound so angry and I'm not, I'm just not (laughs) awake yet. Right. And beyond that, you have then that person's worldview. So what do they know about the world? What's the experiences they've had up until this point, all the communication they've ever been a part of their childhood, their the people that they've come in contact with and all that bombards your communication. So it's very easy for communication to just get derailed. Yes, yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. smashed. <laughs> it really is. So what do we do? So we we promised listeners that we would help them improve their interpersonal communication skills. So what do we do? Help. Yeah. So communication competence. The first thing I, would, I do want you to know is that there's never an ideal way to communicate. It's not like, oh, once I get it, I'm going to be the best communicator that ever was, and I'm always going to be amazing at communication, and it's just going to be everybody else's problem, right? Communication isn't like that. One, because it's very situational. It's based on the situation that you're in. My situation at home is going to be different than my situation at work than at a store. And part of that is because it's also relational. So how much do I know these people? How much do I care about that relationship? What is the effort that I'm going to put in here? So all of that goes into whether or not you're a competent communicator. And besides all that, one situation may work so wonderfully and you're like, man, I have it. Like, I know what I'm doing. And then the very next minute, you may have a communication situation that is completely terrible. And then you walk away like, what am I doing, right? (laughs) Right. So please don't think that like, I'm a bad communicator all the time. That is, no one is a bad communicator all the time. There may be communication situations you don't handle as well, but you can get better at communication. That is a positive note that I want to say. Communication, it's a performance, okay? So I tell my students all the time, they come into my class, they don't want to be in public speaking. Nobody wants to be in public speaking. (laughs) It's like the number one fear, right? Absolutely. Number two is death. Yes. And number one is public speaking, yes. Yes, and I always tell them, you could be in a really hard class, like, you know, physics, but you're not. You're in a class where we talk, and they're like, I'd rather be in physics. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, public speaking was probably my most dreaded class in college. And here you are, speaking publicly. (laughs) There you go, yeah. And I tell them, I said, don't ever say you're not going to be a public speaker because you don't know what's Mm going to happen in your life. They come into my class and we have a lot of student athletes. And so I will tell them, you know, would you go to play your basketball game if you never went to basketball practice? I'm like, no. Well, then don't come to speech class without ever having practiced your speech. It's the same for communication, right? right? You can get into situations where you're going to practice and get better at communication. So we absolutely can get better. The first thing that you can do is think about your behaviors when it comes to communication. We all have personalities, right? So some of us are loud, some of us are quiet, some of us are aggressive, some of us are a little bit more meek. But when you think about a communication situation, how many behaviors do you think of like in that situation that you could do? So let me give you an example. Say someone at your job makes a kind of off-color joke and it makes you uncomfortable. What's the first thing that comes to your mind as far as like, how should you react to that situation? I would ignore it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What would you do, Sherry? Well, I would probably get irritated or mad, right? So then I go silent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Kind of, yeah. People people who know me at work, they say, you're really quiet. What are you mad about? (laughs) 
that's absolutely a valid response to that communication. Maybe another response might be like, I want them to know that that was inappropriate, but I don't want to tell them. So I'm going to tell a colleague to talk to them. Right. We all have that one colleague that's like, oh, I'll go tell them. Right. Right. <laughs> I have one and I love her. And so maybe that's your choice. Or maybe you say, well, I'm going to tell them something, but I'm going to couch it in humor because I think they'll get it better if it's kind of funny, even though I'm sort of making a point. Yeah, that would it. be my second way to handle it would be mm -hmm. that one. Right. Yeah. Maybe you show them, you hint at the fact that you're uncomfortable, but you don't actually say that you're uncomfortable and you just hope that they take the hint that that wasn't funny. Maybe you just straight tell them like that was inappropriate and I, I'm not going to laugh about that. And I hope you don't say things like that anymore. Or maybe you get up in their face about how inappropriate that was and you get a little bit more aggressive. All of those are fine. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like there's not one better or worse, but all of those are okay. The fact that you could choose from any one of those behaviors is going to make you a competent communicator. So once you kind of say, okay, here's my range of behaviors that I might choose from, then you need to be able to choose the most appropriate at that point in time. And you have to take into account context, obviously. So if it's at work, that's one context that we have to think of. What's your goal? What is the thing that you're going to try to accomplish here? And then you have to think about the other person too. If you know them really well, it might be easier or it might be harder to confront them about it. If you are just acquaintances, here's my thing. I'm good at talking to people I really know, and I'm good at talking to people I don't know at all. But if you're an acquaintance, someone I'm probably going to see again, but I'm not really great friends with, that's, I think, where I struggle the most with my mm -hmm. communication because it's a little vulnerable. Uh, yes, I don't. Yeah, for me, I, I think it's more of not wanting to get into like some kind of a conflict. I'm a conflict avoider. Yes. You know, so for me, I would choose the one that was not going to be a conflict. The joke is always good. You're like, well, I'm just going to brush that off like it didn't even happen. I might give them a look because I, apparently I have a look. Sherry, have you ever seen the look? The teacher look. It is the teacher look, yeah. <laughs> I probably would give them a look. <laughs> but that is every bit as much of a communication as saying something. Oh, that, that, right. That look is... <laughs> I know you didn't say what I just yeah. thought I heard you say. I could make say. a child cry with the look. <laughs> That's excellent. That means you're a competent communicator, right? I am, yeah. You're good at the nonverbals, which is yes. necessary in being a good communicator. Yeah, and so after you kind of pick which one you want to engage in, then it's your skill at actually engaging in that behavior. How clear are you? How competent did you choose your words? Did you make your message clear? And then also thinking about having some empathy in that person and how are they going to respond to this, being able to kind of look at that person and then also critically think about what that person said and how you responded and did it make sense? Did you overreact? Did you not overreact? But that's a process. I mean, it's practice doing it over and over again. And sometimes you're going to nail it and sometimes you might not. And that's okay. And then going back to a situation when you know you didn't nail it. You can always go back to that person and say, oh, guess what? I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That's an important part of, I'm going to say conflict management, although right. you might not view that as conflict, but being able to say, you know, this communication, I wasn't happy with it. So let's try it again this right. way. Yeah. Right. Or like, you know, I was crabby and I got a little snappy and I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had to do that a million times with my Me own too. family. Right. Yeah. Mainly the family. <laughs> Well, and I think you have to, 
while learning to be a better communicator and to say your message in a way that the receiver can interpret it, you also have to be really proficient at reading emotion. Not only your emotion, but the emotion of the person who's receiving your message, because to me, that's very important in how you deliver the message. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. And if you look at skills that workplaces put out and they say, these are the important skills or these are the skills we're looking for, emotional intelligence is in the top 10 because Mm -hmm. you have to be able to read people. You have to be able to read those nonverbals and figure out what is acceptable, what's appropriate, how this communication context is going or how this area likes to communicate, like knowing how a job communicates, that's really important. And that's, it takes practice, but also it's putting yourself in a lots of different social situations and being able to read that more and more and being very self-aware. You can't be good at understanding other people's nonverbal if you're not aware of yourself as well. So if someone knows they struggle in that area, what, what, what could they do? So one thing that we tell people is if you have to give a speech or you have to have communication, say you're going to go talk to your boss, really organize that in your mind um, and then practice it. (laughs) Say it out loud, like stand in front of a mirror, say your piece and see what you look like. See what your face does. Does it match? Does your face match what the words that you're trying to say? Because if your nonverbal is a different message than your verbal, people get really confused. And that's what sarcasm is, right? Is right. my tone and it doesn't match my words. And so my verbal has to match my nonverbal. And so practicing that, getting better at that, and it's difficult, okay? I don't want to say like, all you have to do is practice. It's so easy and you'll get better. It's not. <laughs> it's very hard. One of my colleagues had a friend come up to her at the gym. She works out all the time. He was like, people say I'm really intimidating. She's like, this guy's six foot five, probably 300 pounds. And he just looks like he could smash you, you know? And he's like, how do I get to where people don't think I'm so intimidating and they'll approach me? And she was like, well, smiling is important. But she's like, when he smiles, he actually looks scarier than when he doesn't. (laughs) And so she's like, I'm having a hard time helping him know what to do. But part of it is just getting comfortable in that openness role as well, right? So whatever it is that you're trying to convey, being comfortable in that emotion as you're conveying it, and that takes practice as well. And a lot of self-confidence, I think. Yes. And I think as we get older, we get better at it because, Mm -hmm. you know, we've just been in more situations. And I was a very shy child. I really had a lot of anxiety and I just really didn't like people looking at me or talking to me. I was just super shy. And then as I got older, I kind of broke out of that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, I teach communication for a living, but also I think my mom was a really shy person and she didn't put me in situations where she would have been uncomfortable to make me so that I wouldn't be uncomfortable. But then that kept me from learning some things that maybe I needed to learn Whereas like my own daughter, she is not shy at all. She has self-confidence that I wish I had. So part of it is just maturing. Part of it is personality. Mm -hmm. And then part of it is being okay with putting yourself in a situation where you're not totally comfortable and just trying and hoping that if it fails, you do better next time. If you said there, if you could pick one skill that a person needs to work on to be a better communicator, what would that be? That would be listening. 
So listening, a lot of people don't think about that when it comes to communication, Mm -hmm. but listening is our most used communication skill. It's the first skill we ever learn, and yet it is very rarely taught. There's research out there that tells you people that they'll ask people like, how good of a listener are you? And almost every single person says, I'm a great listener. But when they ask their coworkers and, you know, their bosses or the people that are under them, they'll say, oh, they're not that great of a listener. (laughs) (laughs) So we have to be good listeners. In order to be a good communicator, you must be a good listener. And we're not good listeners because it's hard. It takes effort. Like if you've ever sat through a conference where you had to listen all day long, like at the end, you're exhausted. If you were actually listening, because it's a lot of effort. It takes so much mental capacity to continuously zone back in, pick up where you left off. It's just so much easier to daydream. And I just don't think we teach it very well. Like I always ask my students, when were you taught in school how to be a good listener? And they're like, kindergarten? I'm like, okay, well, what did they tell you? And they'll sit say, sit still and look yeah. at me. That's it. That, <laughs> and that's listen. it. Yeah. 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 Sit still, be quiet and listen. Look at me. And yeah. so we, I think we start to associate being quiet with listening. But I teach college. I can tell you just because they're quiet does not mean they are oh, listening yeah. to me. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm very capable of creating an entire grocery list while you're talking to me. And I cannot. <laughs> Yeah, we're really, we get really good at that pseudo listening, right? Right, right. I look like I'm paying attention and I feel bad because I have gotten really good at it. I feel like having toddlers makes you just such a good pseudo listener because they tell you these stories. They're 20 minutes long. You don't really know what they're talking about. Because it's nonsense. (laughs) So I just get really good at like, yeah, wow. (laughs) Oh, that's crazy. But I do that to my husband, too. And I really realized it. He's a coach. He coaches football and basketball and cross country. And he would come home to tell me about his football practice. I watch football. I kind of get it. I don't know all the positions. I don't really know plays. I don't really understand everything they're doing. He would be telling me, you know, what happened today. Or he'd say, you know, did you see in the game when blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, no, babe, like I'm taking two toddlers to your game and they, one of them is potty training. So we got to go to the bathroom every Did you notice seconds. when we went to the bathroom and that was, you know, that's what I was focused like, on. So I just yeah. got so bad at not really listening right. to what he was saying. And I really had to kind of shift and work hard on that again. So I really feel like that's one of the hardest communication skills, but yet one of the most important. And then like I tell my students, you're never going to get fired because you were too good of a listener. You just listen so well, so we can't really have you here. Well, people (laughs) want to be heard. I've realized that over my entire life. I'm 52 now. The number one thing I think people want, of course, people want to be loved, but they want to be heard. Boom. That's it. Hear them. Hear what they're saying and acknowledge what you've heard. Yes, absolutely. Yes. You you hit it on the head because when we talk about communication climates, there's a confirming message and a disconfirming message. And mm-hmm. so confirming message is recognition, acknowledgement, and then one step further is endorsement. So if you can do those three things, you create that positive communication climate mm-hmm. where people then want to open up to you, want to have better communication with you, will spend the time to create better communication with you because they feel like they're being heard. And it might feel corny, but just to say, I hear what you're saying, you said, and then you repeat it back to them. Yeah. And you just repeat it back to them. And then like when I worked with parents, the kids, you know, were one thing, but sometimes the parents were a lot more challenging. But once you realize every single parent that comes to you as a teacher wants their child to do well, that's it. 
They want their child to do well. Your job is to let the parents know you're a team and to form a team with the parents. And just hearing them, that's all it took to diffuse any kind of problem. Just say, I hear what you're saying. You had this and this and this. And how can we work together to solve that so that you're happy and your child is happy and your child is learning? And then they were all so happy. That was it. On the same kind of note, too, I feel like feedback is important because I do have one manager I'll send an email to, and it can be a lengthy four-paragraph email about certain, you know, I've saved up some things, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to fire out this email. I'm going to let them know what is or isn't working with this or that or whatever. I have sent that into a void. I don't even get so much as an okay response, right? Yeah. And then I'm like, did he read it? Did he not read it? Is he looking did into it get there? this? Yeah. Is he making the request to the next person up the line? Like what? To the point where I'm like, well, I'm not even going to bother to write that email mm-hmm. because it's not going anywhere. You needed a confirmation and a thank right. you. I mean, I'm going to look at all these. So that yeah. is something I'm really cognizant of if somebody texts or emails me that I reply in some way, even if it's just an okay or or a thumbs up or like, you know, got it. That's something my husband, it's funny because he's a great communicator. And I have to say, like, you know, out of all the relationships I had in my life, he is the only one who, when crap hits the fan, he is going to sit down and we are going to hash it out. We're going to completely talk it out and nobody's going to bed angry. I will send him so many messages throughout the day and I get no response. And I'm like, well, you didn't respond to me because I read it. It, it, (laughs) You didn't ask me a question. And I'm like, I didn't ask you a question, but you didn't respond. And he's like, well, I didn't have anything to answer because you didn't ask me a question. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, how can such a great communicator be such a bad communicator. Absolutely. So we always tell our students feedback is imperative because the only way you know your message has been received is through feedback. And so feedback is super important. But in the case of your husband, I think it's so interesting that you said that because we have to take into account the difference in gendered communication. Now, when I talk about gendered communication, I'm not talking about male-female, although that's the terms we talk about it. But you can have masculine communication and be a female. You can have feminine communication and be a male. But masculine communication traits often are not that not responsive. I'm listening, but I don't necessarily know that feedback is important. Like I'll tell my students, I call my husband on the phone, I'll be telling him a story, and then I'll say, are you listening? Are you there? And he'll be like, yes. And I said, well, you're not saying anything. And he's like, you're talking. I'm listening. And I'm like, no, I need you to say yes, uh uh-huh, okay. I need that (laughs) feminine communication, (laughs) right? I'll I'll tell my students, you can see a group of girls. They're talking. Everyone's talking, but only one's really telling the story, right? Right. But we like that verbal affirmation that you are listening to us. You're nodding. You're saying yes, okay, which is probably, too, why we get in the habit of pseudo-listening because – it's easy to throw those verbal affirmations in. That is hysterical <laughs> that you say that because I'll be talking to my husband and I've talked for like three or four minutes and then I'm like, hello? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, you weren't saying anything. I didn't know if you were there. And he's like, I was listening. And I'm like, yeah. but you weren't saying anything. Right. And he also has this idea that a communication is not a back and forth, that this is some this is like a conflict we have is that to me like i say something and then you say something and then i say something right to him it's this person talks until they're all done talking and then the other person talks until they're all done talking there is no back and forth it's like it's a one way street and each person delivers their message and then the next message 
comes behind the other message. Yeah, that's not a conversation. Yeah. No, it's so weird. It's and like then, talking at somebody. So then there's me who's totally ADHD, right? So listening is a struggle for me because my brain is like, oh, they said this, and now I'm thinking this, and I have so much I want to say. And I'm like shoving it all back in my mouth because I'm trying to be a really good listener. And then eventually it's, I just have to like get it out. And he'll be like, it's not your turn. <laughs> and I'll be like, when is it my turn? <laughs> okay. So I have to tell you, my husband also has ADHD and he's all over the place. And so yesterday I literally said, you have to stop interrupting me. And like, he doesn't get mad about that because he knows we've had, you know, we have great conversations <laughs> and he knows like, oh yeah, I was doing that. But then also I know that I need to let him interrupt sometimes because he can't keep it in. Like he's just going to explode or he's going to completely tune out. And part of that then is being in that really close interpersonal relationship where you have practiced that communication over and over again. And like I said, he has a degree in communication as well. And we do a lot of perception checking. Like, did you understand what I said? Or did you hear what I said? Or I feel like you said this, but because we both do that, sometimes we use that inappropriately. Like when we're arguing and the other person's like, okay, so what I hear you saying is, and I'm like, don't pull that communication crap with me. <laughs> like, I know where you're going with this. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So it really just goes to show there's no one right way to do it, like you said before, and that we have to be responsive to the person, the situation, our own, what we brought to the table from our all of our past rolled into one, plus what the other person has brought to the table. Yeah, it's just so many aspects to communication. And when I teach it to my students, I always tell them, you know, it's so profound to me that we can even get a message across with all the stuff that's happening, with all the things you have to take into consideration. Communication is very difficult. And our only goal, I think, is just to always become a more effective, confident communicator. Your goal should never be, I'm going to be the best communicator there is, because it's almost impossible. Mm hmm. Can you give a really good tip for written communication? Sure. So written communication is very difficult because you take away two of the communication codes. So there's three communication codes. There's verbal, which is the words we use, nonverbal and vocal, which is like tone, pitch, volume. So when you take away nonverbal and vocal, all we're left with are the words. When we are left with words only, we have to make sure that we are sending a clear, concise message. And clarity means you're not using extra qualifiers or intensifiers. You're not saying, oh my gosh, that was so totally amazing, right? Take out some of those intensifiers and say, that was amazing, or whatever word that is that you want to use. Make it clear, but make it concise. We are in a generation, a society now that uses very concise communication, like Twitter or your 30 second TikToks. Like we're used to very short communication. And so, if you're sending those emails with lots and lots of paragraphs, it may get lost. People Too much info. People tend to yeah, zone out. Even in written communication, we can zone out, right? So being very clear, being very concise, making sure that you're paying attention to little details. Are you addressing them correctly by the right title and name? Are you spelling their name correctly? That is one of those details that people overlook, and it's not a problem until you do it wrong. Right. Yeah. So I'm not going to be upset. You know, I'm not going to even think about you saying Kelly in the email unless you misspell my name. And then I'm like, well, but I it's right there. Like I <laughs> could have seen it. You know, that's one of my huge pet peeves. And so I always tell people, like, be very aware of that. 
but just really for the most part, written communication needs to be clear and concise and well organized. And then obviously checking for grammar issues, spelling issues, anything that you can quickly catch. It's not a big deal to misspell a word, but try to catch it before you send it. And as a reader of something that's coming to you from someone else, never assume tone in the written word. All those years that I spent managing Facebook groups, it was when someone, you know, even sometimes moderators behind the scenes would be having a conversation. They're like, could you believe what this person just said to me in a reply? And they'll send a picture of it. And I'm like, that doesn't seem bad at all. Yeah. <laughs> that oh, yeah. is actually a very logical response to what you said to them before. But you're assuming a tone, or maybe the member assumes a tone that the moderator had. And now there's an argument, and there was no tone. It was just you're ascribing intent that's not there. So whenever you read something that's not being said to you, I mean, if someone is hostile to you in person, it's easy to know they're being hostile, right? But in the written word, you read it, and you're like, okay, I'm assuming this is meant to me in a hostile way. Let's back up. Is it really? Why yeah, am I assuming that? That's right. such a good point. Like I tell my my colleagues, and they disagree with me, but if my husband and I get into a pretty intense argument, we'll actually kind of leave, and we might text each other about the argument, and everybody in the communication world will be like, oh, that's terrible communication because you're taking out these two codes. What sometimes that's helpful because he yeah. doesn't hear my tone and I don't hear his tone and I can really read the words that he's saying. I can really get his message in a more complete form. And so I don't get as upset about tone. I don't get as upset about, well, your arms are crossed. So obviously you don't believe that this is true or you're mad about this or whatever. I don't see any of that. And so that's such a good point that without tone, sometimes you just really are looking at the message that's being right, sent, right. the words that are being said. Never assume someone has bad intent from the written word. Right. And then clarify, I think, too, because, I mean, I am a smart ass. That's just me. It's my personality. <laughs> my husband, it tends to be more, a little more surly. And even in, a, like, personal communication, that's just kind of his demeanor. And he could not be in a bad mood at all. But he says something. He's got a deep voice. He doesn't smile a lot when he talks, so he'll say something, and I'll kind of look at him, and I'll be like, are you are you mad? And he's like, no, not at all. Why would you think that? And I'm like, because I'm reading this. <laughs> well, in text, he'll say, I'll say something, and he'll be like, are you being a smartass? Are you mad? And I'm like, no, I just said this. And he was like, okay, just checking. And I'll do the same thing to him. I'll be like, are you picking on me? And he'll be like, no, I really meant that. So feeling, you know, like confident enough if somebody is really, you know, if you think you're misunderstanding a message, I think it's always appropriate to say, you know, are you being sincere? Are you upset about something? Am I reading that you're upset? Just clarify yeah, that. Clarify before you assume. Yes. Absolutely. Because I can think of some times I've read things like, again, Facebook. And over the years, I've read something in it like really, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what they're saying. And then I would clarify and then it, that wasn't what they meant at all. And then everything was fine. And it just took one little quick check-in. Right. Yes. Uh, that's such a good point. And I would say, like, even with my colleagues and I, we'll get an email and we always talk about everything. And one will come down and off and say, did you read that? How did you take that? And I'll say, well, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I took it this way. And she'll be like, no, I took it like that. 
So then we'll talk about it. And then usually we can always kind of come to a consensus or even, you know, diffuse the situation if someone was upset about it or whatever. But that's such a good point. Always do perception checking. Did I perceive this correctly? And then check for understanding. Always ask if you don't know. Okay, I I just want to make sure that I'm clear here. And that's such a good way to help diffuse that conflict before it becomes real conflict. Right. Because you could just be so mad about it and that's not even what they were saying. And <laughs> Right. And then you know what you do? You take that you take that being mad into your next conversation. That's true. So <laughs> your misperception, if is that a word? Misperception? Yes. Of that event, now it's trickling downstream to the next people you have to deal with. So just like nip it in the bud right there. Yep. It's that's a great, great point. And very helpful to communication. But a lot of us don't do it because we feel like it's going to make us seem dumb, like we didn't understand it. But don't feel that way about perception checking or checking for understanding. Just always do it because it really will head off a lot of things before they actually occur. Yes, I agree. And I think the more people get used to doing that, then the more people are going to realize that, you know, there is a lack of that nonverbal in written communication. And then, you know, it might help them too into better compose their next message. If, if they're like, oh, the last time I said this, somebody didn't understand what I meant, that I wasn't clear. So, right. so let me tweak the way I word that next time or something. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been great. I think that we've talked about a lot of things and I still, you know, I'm still stuck on what you said at the beginning, Sherry, that inability to communicate is is such a factor in so many relationships. So we can all work on ourselves and how we perceive things. And what would you say in closing, Kelly, as we wrap this up? I think I would just say that, like I've already said, communication, it's complicated. And mm-hmm. don't let yourself get bogged down in thinking like, I'm not good at communicating or I'm never going to get better at communicating because it's so situational and relational. And you are probably a good communicator in lots of different areas and ways. But if you want to get better at it, then all you have to do is practice. Put yourself in situations where you don't normally like to communicate and try it and If you can put yourself in safe situations, that's one of the things I say about my classroom. It's a very safe space. So we're doing public speaking, which people are terrified of. You'll be safe here. There's nothing bad that's going to happen to you. If you can find that safe space, that's awesome. But putting yourself in situations where you need to work on that communication, and sometimes it's very hard and it's almost always uncomfortable, but you can get better. Your goal is to always just become a more effective and confident communicator. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Bye. Before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to continue to bring you the podcast. On episode seven of this podcast, we had the opportunity to talk with Joel, the founder of Life Pro Fitness, about the health benefits of whole body vibration therapy. But they have more products than just vibration plates. I am a huge fan of their mini massage guns. My husband is not willing to visit a conventional massage therapist. He's kind of touch averse. However, he loves for me to give him a full body massage with the Life Pro Dyna Mini. It's a rechargeable massage gun. The battery lasts up to 12 hours. And it is great for giving him deep tissue massage and providing him myofacial release 
for lasting release from muscle soreness and inflamed trigger points. And he had just started this new job. So he was using muscles in his shoulders and arms that he hadn't been using prior. So I've been using it a lot on him lately. And then, as I mentioned earlier, he had neck surgery. His shoulders and kind of neck have been inflamed ever since then. So we use it a lot. He really loves it. I don't have to pay for a massage that he's going to hate. And it helps him feel well and sleep well. In addition to the percussion massagers, they also have a great under-the-desk elliptical machine, and they just released these new 15-pound adjustable barbells. So for those of you looking to up your fitness routine, you might want to check that out and get some fitness into your day. You can check them out by using the link in show notes and using the discount code LIFELESSONS, one word, or visit lifelessonscommunity.com forward slash lifepro. Awesome. And yeah, I love my vibration plate, but they have more than just vibration plates. Yesterday, all three of us got on the vibration plate. You will. was here. Yeah, Will was here. He got on it. Chad got on it. I got on it. Now, yeah. do your cats get on it? Because I keep no. seeing all these videos of people whose cats are obsessed with it. And on their Facebook for their VIP customers, people constantly post cat videos. And this one lady said she has to keep hers unplugged because her cat has figured out how to turn it on. Oh my God, that's so funny. No, my cats <laughs> do not, do not get on it. <laughs> that's funny though. I could see Ellie doing it with her little cat attitude, her catitude. <laughs> so next we have a segment we call our listener-led lesson. It might be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. Today's listener-led lesson comes from Graham Curry in Australia. He wrote, Joe and Fred both started work at 18 years old in 1980. Joe liked to play the lottery every week. Fred liked to save money. He never played the lottery. Joe and Fred caught up 40 years later in 2020 when they were 58. Joe lost an average of $20 a week on the lottery, roughly $1,000 a year with nothing to show for his $40,000 invested over 40 years. Fred invested $20 a week. $1,000 a year, tracking the index of the market for an average return of 9% compounded for 40 years. He had $369,000 in his account after 40 years. Life hack. You don't have to win the lottery to win a lottery-sized price in life. Life hack 101. Oh, Graham, that's a good one. Start early. Yeah, $20 a week. That's that's awesome. Teach this one to your teenagers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you like that life hack, tune in next week to the podcast. We'll be joined by a financial planner who's going to help you get on track for retirement. I'm excited about that one. Me too. You're already retired. Well, look, <laughs> I'm retired, but I am only 52. Right. So I retired from one job and now I'm that's, still planning for when I because I'm still working every day very hard. I work I work a lot. Yes, you I do. I work around the clock. Yes, you do. <laughs> I just had to. This I just is the had best to dig it in a little. Somebody yeah. told me yesterday in the Facebook group. She I used to actually work with her, and she's retired. And in the Life Lessons Facebook group, it was a post about stress or something, and she said, "Once I retired, I don't have any more stress." And I said, gosh, I would love to retire, but I'm also not ready to be retirement age. So I guess right? I'll just keep going yeah. to work every there day. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All the teachers are going back. They actually start school, I think, the day that we're recording this. I think they start tomorrow. The kids go back tomorrow. And every year at this time, it's bittersweet because there was so much excitement for getting your classroom ready. Mm-hmm. But, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad. Like, it was, I was driving away from my massage today. I thought I could be at school getting my classroom ready. <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> 
<laughs> you did your time. It was time I to did. move on. Yes. At the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. Today's quote comes from Shell, and it was perfect for today's topic. The quote is, to be kind is more important than to be right. Many times what people need is not a brilliant mind that speaks, but a special heart that listens. She writes, when listening to people talk, I have often thought I was hearing something that needed to be corrected and that I was the person that was supposed to do the correcting. Now I understand that many people just want to be heard. The most loving thing we can do is to love them enough to listen and let them have their say. Yeah, that goes so well with what we talked about with Kelly today. They just want to be heard, loved, and then heard. That was a great quote. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to join the Facebook community. It's called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. It is a wonderful place to be. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast through whatever podcast platform you enjoy. It'll be auto-delivered every week once you subscribe. And if you're on iTunes, don't forget to leave a review. It helps us reach others. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you want to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye.